It is 28 minutes after the hour here on the Drive Large Radio Show. We got a bit off track there in the last segment. Newsread is really long this morning. I didn't think it was that long. Manchester is undergoing a renaissance, and Mayor Ted Gatsis has crafted a blueprint to harness that energy. He's got 12 wards in the city and came up with 12 ways to move it forward. Mayor Ted Gatsis's 12-point plan includes planks on taxes and spending, tackling the opioid epidemic, safer streets and neighborhoods, paving the future, hallelujah, modernizing city trash collection, better schools and smaller class sizes, expanding public transportation, charter changes to address inconsistencies in the city's conflict of interest policy, end the practice of taxpayer-funded health insurance for part-time elected officials, invest to improve parks and open spaces, and responsible energy solutions for Manchester. Learn more at, get the details at, tedgatzis.com slash plan. That's tedgatzis.com slash plan. All right. Um, so let, let's continue here because you know what? I'll tell you, you read the social media and I'm getting all kinds of uh, cat calls from people in, including, you know, our, our Black Lives Matter friends and all that who are, uh, are complaining that uh, this is these are small potatoes. These are not the I hear none of this going door to door, say some candidates. People want to know about this and they want to know about that. They should stop talking about this. Well, as I'm fond of saying, if your political opponent is in the process of committing suicide, stare clear. So while I appreciate all the advice from people who are telling me that I should move on and talk about other things, uh, <laughs> I'm actually convinced that I'm hitting pay dirt because, as they say, you know you're over the target when you're catching flack. Anyhow, um, if you can't, really, it's a simple matter. It's a simple matter. And what makes me mental about it is, oh, and by the way, I've gotten word, and I'm not going to say anything because I haven't seen it yet, but uh, apparently uh, Kate DeRozier in Word 11 has launched a retaliatory strike that will be on the next agenda against me because so offended are people that I'm talking about this that um, alleged violations of law committed by yours truly are going to be the subject of an agenda item on the Manchester Board of School Committee. This coming from the uh, woman who said that she's uh, tried to avoid those divisive politics on the board and didn't want the board to look bad. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, and so it goes, right? So not having seen it, uh, I, I will wait to comment. But... So here we go uh, with 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 more of this stuff. Wonderful. But the fact of the matter is, is there is no dispute over what Tessier did and there is no dispute over what the board did about it. And Gadet's coming forward now to say, you know what, I'm going to file a complaint. His goal, I think, is to get the conduct board to weigh in on this. And maybe when we get a chance to talk to him on Tuesday, we'll find out whether or not he's going to take the complaint that the alderman ignored. Uh, on uh, over Gamash and Ludwig and send it to the attorney general's office of public attorney, uh, public, uh, of public integrity for an investigation. You know, any one of us could do it, but you know, and, and here you have it. 
And what do you have? <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> you, you have people putting, you know, taking support from and putting their lawn signs on the properties of the people who committed the charter violations. Well, how do I take you seriously if you're going to uh, accept support from the, the people who violated the charter? I mean, seriously, how do I take your claim seriously to abide by the charter if you're willing to take support from somebody who broke the charter? You know, frankly, if I were Bob O'Sullivan in Ward 2, which reminds me I have to get back to him because I want to talk to him about his 306090 plan on the on the air. As well, I'm not sure that's the answer. It certainly is demonstrating thinking uh, about the issue of how you handle the opioid crisis and raises, I think, legitimate questions about how things are currently being done versus perhaps how they could be done, at least in some circumstances. But does the public, I don't mean to digress here, but should the public expect that for the expenditure of its funds and its use and the use of its emergency resources, that there be some requirement on those saved by those efforts to accept responsibility by entering, however unwillingly, into a uh, 30-day detoxification. And people who want to talk about money, oh, well, how would you pay for all that? Well, how am I paying for what I'm paying now? I mean, how many times have we heard lives are at stake? We shouldn't be talking about money when lives are at stake. Well, lives are at stake here. And not just the lives of the users, but the lives of the emergency responders who at some occasions in this city have two, three times or more had to go to an overdose call involving the same person in the same 24-hour period of time. That's crazy. That's nuts. You know, as uh, Dave Mara, the drug czar, said, you know, you don't want first responders sitting there on the scene going, oh, I've already Narcan this guy three times. They're not going to do it again. What are they supposed to do? Keep a list? No, I don't think anybody's saying that. But, you know, I I don't think society's uh, I don't think society's. Uh, willingness to revive addicts should be open-ended without the expectation of some corrective action, voluntary or involuntary, taken by the revived. You know, revive and release, as it's now being called, is a, is raising questions. But back on the original topic, if I were Bob O'Sullivan, I'd walk right up to Ron Ludwig's front lawn I'd take a picture of, uh, you know, the signs that were there and I would send out a mail piece saying my opponent endorsed by the man who violated the charter twice to enrich his own family members. Now, I'm sure that would be considered dirty pool. But. There it is. And think of the the drain on the resources. I just got uh, I just got a Facebook message here. People also need to walk into emergency rooms in the city. Sick people cannot be get seen in a timely fashion uh, because they're secondary to addicts looking for drugs. 
So, I mean, the impact of this is massive. How many how many police officers are tied up and away from their routine patrols where they could be deterring crime or catching criminals because they're on yet another overdose call? How many ambulance crews can't get to that heart attack because they're on yet another overdose call? Where could that big red fire at 4.15 this morning as I'm not even 4.15 as I'm driving to work. I think it was on Bridge Street. Two big red fire trucks, lights flashing outside of a place. But you want to bet that was probably an overdose. I didn't see any smoke. I don't know why there was a ladder truck there in addition to an, you know, uh, an engine. Think about this. The ripple effect on this is like, it's like dropping a boulder in a fish tank. Think about this, folks. These are questions that need to be addressed. And in face of it all, we're not see we're seeing increases in the number of overdoses. Yes, decreases in the number of deaths, but increases in the number of overdoses. Increases in the number of safe station visits. And I'm not saying this is the case, but it's almost as if our willingness to revive people, to save them without any demand for accountability is encouraging more people to try. Like I said, I'm, I don't actually think that's what's happening. But, you know, there are a certain number of people out there who are okay with playing Russian roulette. My question is, is it the addict that's going to end up taking the bullet? Or is it someone on their way to save them? This is Gerard at Large. 